What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the WWE on Fox SmackDown Roundup. Yes, it is I, your host, as always, Ryan Satin. All right, well, it's the end of the week. I hope you had a lovely week up to this point. I uh, This SmackDown, we're going to talk all about it. We're going to break it down segment by segment, as always. But I, you know... Just right off the top here, um, not a ton to chew on here. Not a ton to dissect. Uh, there was a little bit of good. There was a, a little bit of bad. There was a little bit of whatever. But this episode was largely centered around Edge. It was this 25th anniversary celebration in his hometown of Toronto. Now, a year ago when they were last there. He implied that he was going to retire a year later. We're now here a year later. And in the build-up to this match, Edge had mentioned to ET Canada, I believe, that this was his last contracted match in WWE right now. So this was kind of a big deal. Edge's return at the Royal Rumble was one of the best moments in wrestling history just because um, we all saw when he was forced to retire how sad he was and so his return to WWE being able to wrestle again was just such just such a great moment such a such a happy time in wrestling and I think that if this truly is the end of Edge's time in WWE um, I'm just so happy that we got to have some time left with him. I'm not going to front and sit here and say that I was some massive Edge fan my whole life. Um, but I don't think we were supposed to be. He was a bad guy for a lot of it. And when I was young, I hated him. <laughs> I was a Hardy Boys mark. I liked John Cena. He was always the opposite side. Um, but there's no denying that he's one of, the, one of those characters that is going to be remembered forever. Not just in WWE, but in wrestling history. Now, uh, we're going to get to more. We're going to get to his the way it ended and all the things that happened throughout this episode. But I just wanted to say, yeah, um, if this is the end for Edge, um, his his return uh, has been awesome. There's, a, uh, there's, there's even a funny meme where there was a match everyone else was dumping on of his that I enjoyed. And uh, that's gonna live on forever because of the, for for me and because of Edge's return. Uh, me saying like, "Oh, I love the creativity," and everyone else being like, "God, why won't this match end?" Uh, but I don't care. I don't like to have the same opinion as everybody else. I am my own person. Let's get to this week's episode of Friday Night SmackDown in whole, so I don't have to talk around all these different things. The show started. Off with the Grayson Waller effect with guests Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. Waller congratulates Rey on still making moments at this phase of his career by winning the United States Championship, but then brings up how Rey stole Santos Escobar's opportunity in the title, which Rey obviously takes issue with. Waller continues on with it, berating Rey, but finally Santos shuts him down, telling him to shut up. Escobar says the only person he's angry with is Austin Theory, and that he only has respect for Rey Mysterio's fellow 
LWO member and mentor. Theory then comes out. He complains about what happened last week. Says Santos was too weak to step to him. And Ray wasn't even supposed to be in this match. So he wants Pierce to come out and hand him his title back. So Pierce comes out. And before he can even really talk, he gets interrupted by LA Knight's music. The place goes nuts, as they've been doing for LA Knight. LA Knight takes issue with Theory, calling himself the best U.S. champion, and challenges him to a match with the winner getting a U.S. title shot. Now, before I get to the match, just want to talk about this opening. I loved it. I loved this opening. Um, I don't know what it is about the Grayson Waller effect. I don't know if it's Grayson being so damn entertaining or just the different vibe it brings. I don't know. I guess, like, they do kind of, like, it has its whole opening. It does kind of feel like a talk show of sorts. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Because normally, if you listen to this, you're like, well, Ryan, you don't like talk show segments. Grayson Waller Effect is definitely a talk show segment. You're right. Something about the Grayson Waller effect just feels a little more unique to me, a little different. It feels like a talk show uh, when he does it for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure why, uh, but I really do think that the Grayson Waller effects have been so, so entertaining since they've been on SmackDown, since Grayson Waller's call-up. But furthermore, I really liked how this was just like a cavalcade of people and not in the annoying, like, Okay, I want title shot, music hits. No, I want title shot, music hits, music hits, music hits. Like, it's not, it wasn't that kind of cavalcade. Um, you really weren't even expecting LA Knight's music to hit. That was the actual icing on the cake there, but but it was hot. The crowd was hot for all of this. Um, and, and I also think you kind of forwarded uh, multiple things with it. Uh, you got Grayson Waller kind of sticking his nose in the Rey Mysterio, Santos, Escobar, Austin Theory business. Uh, we have the little seeds planted of dissension between Santos, Escobar, and Ray over that United States title. Uh, we got feud bubbling between Austin Theory and Escobar, Austin Theory and Rey Mysterio, and now Austin Theory and L.A. Knight. I'm into it. I'm into it. All of it. Thought this was fantastic, and I really enjoy... That LA Knight is getting full-blown babyface storyless now, or directions, whatever. He's acting like a babyface now. He's I don't think we're getting a real tweener from this guy. Uh, definitely, they're definitely leaning into the babyface side of things. Wait, let me take a little swig of water here. Sorry for the dead air. You try talking for seven minutes straight without taking a sip of water. It's not easy. <laughs> so then we had LA Knight versus Austin Theory. U.S. title opportunity on the line. Uh, I loved how Knight was uh, stomping a mud hole in Theory in the corner. Well, the crowd chanted, yeah, with each one. Theory attempted A-Town down, but Knight reversed it. Knight then prepared to hit his elbow. When Miz got on the apron, it distracted him. LA Knight chased Miz around the ring. Miz goes in the ring. Then LA Knight clotheslines him over the top rope. But it allowed Theory to take advantage with a roll-up for the win. I hate roll-up wins. Not a fan of them. However, if you're going to have Theory defeat LA Knight, this is the only way to do it. Rather than making it something clean and definitive and messing with LA Knight's ascent right now um i you know it's interesting to me how much they're leaning into 
the people in WWE, all the different characters calling Ellie Knight a flash in the pan now too. Um, calling him, you know, a second rate this or everyone kind of making it seem like he's not going to do anything. I think Miz said something along the lines of, uh, oh, what did he say? He said he's basically going to be doink. Uh, he said he's Fandango without the dance moves or something. And he basically said he's going to be, you know, someone who's not popular in a few months, uh, which was uh, poor Fandango really got thrown in the crossfire there. Uh, uh, that, that character had legs until Jerry Lawler ruined it all. But anyways, I digress. Um, I don't even remember where I was there. Oh, yeah, Theory taking advantage of the roll-up for the win. Uh, it, it furthers the Miz storyline with, with LA Knight. It uh, furthers Austin Theory's storyline with the LWO. It works. It's fine. It gives a reason for, for Austin Theory to get... Uh, a rematch for the title. Um, I just don't like LA Knight taking losses. I, I, I have a feeling the internal thought process is the more they have, the, you know, excuse me, the more they have LA Knight lose things, that the more people will continue to get behind him and have a Daniel Bryan esque rise. I just, I just, I just don't think it's necessary. He should be winning. It was great when he won at the pay-per-view. People were pumped. Let him just pick up wins. Why is he losing? Why is he losing? Why is he losing? I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, but this was a good match. Um, you know, story-wise, it all made sense within there, so I can't complain too much. I just think that, 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 that just let him win. Let people win matches. Let people win matches. <laughs> uh, we had wrestlers congratulating Edge on his 25-year anniversary. John Cena was one of them. Said Called himself Edge's greatest rival. Uh, did a little video congratulating him on the, the big accomplishment. Uh, you know, WWE on Fox, the account this week, or I think it was today, Asked, tweeted asking who Edge's greatest rival was, and they gave some options. And to me, it's undoubtedly John Cena. That, that's who I think of when I think of Edge. Um, yes, I grew up in the Attitude Era, where it was the Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys feuds. Loved them so much. But John Cena versus Edge dominated WWE TV for so long. That, uh, yeah, you got to go John Cena as his greatest rival, at least in my opinion. Uh, we had video messages from Sheamus, Natalia, Miz. Uh, we had Charlotte talking about watching Edge wrestle her dad at WrestleMania. Now look where she is. Uh, Sami Zayn thanking Edge and referring to him as Adam, which I found interesting. It's not often you hear him referred to on WWE TV as Adam. Um, but nice little message from Sami Zayn. Another video played on Edge as a career retrospective. And when this one played, this is when I started to go, okay. <laughs> okay, either they're going to totally swerve us at the end of this show. And, and Edge was working everybody with this, with this being his last match. And that little quote that he put out there to ET Canada it's either that or this man is definitely, this is his last match and he's going out on SmackDown. Uh, that's how I felt at this point. 
Uh, and I realized I just told you I felt the two ways that anyone could feel. But right now at that point, I went, okay, all right. I think I think this might be legit here. I think Edge is retiring. Or not retiring. I don't think he's retiring. I think he's moving on from WWE. Um, I, I just can't help but think that. Well, we'll get to the end. Hold on. Let me get to the end. We'll get to the end and then I'll talk a little more about it. Uh, but this was definitely the point where I thought to myself, okay, um, this might be the end of Edge in WWE. Then after that, should I give you guys a warning when there's going to be dead air? I don't know. I never know. I never know. Damage control versus Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair. Charlotte looked like a beast in this match. I thought she hit a dope-looking handspring clothesline. Bianca also hit a dope-looking dual neckbreaker DDT on Bailey and Io. Bailey attempted a figure four on Charlotte. But got punched in the face for it. Charlotte then tagged in Bianca, who hit the KOD for the win. Okay, so this was an interesting uh, thing for me. Because the match itself, great. I loved it. I think that you got four killer athletes in this match. But I just was like, what's going on here? What's going on here? Like, (laughs) first of all. Why are Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair getting along? Why are they suddenly just cool with each other after the match was over? They're like suddenly cool with each other and celebrating together after the match. I hated it. I kind of hated that. They had just gotten off of this feud. It's like this just happened. And there has been nothing that has gone down since SummerSlam that would make you have a reason to understand why Charlotte and... Bianca are suddenly cool with each other now. They were just super not cool with each other just a couple weeks ago. To me, that makes zero sense. That made zero sense. Like, they acted like they were friends. Bianca was just hating Charlotte. She was so mad at Charlotte. And she won the title, then lost it to Io. And that... Definitely showed in the match that she was fired up, Bianca Belair. She was clearly on a roll in this match. Looked amped up, ready to go. But I just... Why is she friends with Charlotte now? She wasn't mad at Charlotte at all anymore? And furthermore, why is the new women's champion losing? I realize she's not the one that got pinned, but why is she losing? Oh, thought I muted this, sorry. Um, Why? Why is she... Why? 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 Why is she losing a match? Do, what, like what? There's so there's no one else that could have been in this match instead. What were we gaining out of this? If it's not even the champion who's getting pinned, then it's not like Bianca's like earning her way into a title shot again with this. So what's going on? What was the point of like all of this? You know, there was attack. I'm just gonna get to it. Um, there's attack. You know, after the match. Excuse me. Yeah, like well, like a segment later, where Damage Control attacked Bianca Belair backstage. They wrapped a chair around her leg and they hit it with another chair. Um, you could have just done that. Yeah, you could have just done that. Didn't even need the match. 
Like, what? you just didn't even need the match. You could have just gained everything that you needed with just that one backstage segment. Also, where was Shotzi? I mean, I would have at least, I guess, would have been a little, it would have been a little better for me if Shotzi had maybe interfered to help Bianca and Charlotte. And then, I guess, at least then you're like, well, she got, the, the women's champion got, like, outnumbered. There was cheating going on, a distraction. I don't know. I just kind of felt like this kind of like threw back, like this kind of like spit in the face of all the past couple weeks of storylines. Am I overreacting? I don't know. Maybe I am. I don't know. I tend to do that. Let's go to a quick commercial break, and then I'll get back on this and overreact about a few more things when I talk about the rest of this week's Friday Night SmackDown. We're back. Hope you guys enjoyed those commercials. I know I did. <laughs> Another video played showing some more WWE superstars thanking Edge. We had Dolph. We had AJ Styles. We had Bailey. We had Ricochet. Uh, we had Rey Mysterio. We had Becky Lynch. You know, I didn't even think about it. But, like, right before we had Bailey attacking Bianca... She's being all nice and thanking Edge. That doesn't make sense. Sorry. Uh, Cody talked about being on the roster when Edge first retired and how he still made the towns after in, in the UK. Kevin Owens talked about how Edge was one of the people he badly wanted to wrestle in WWE, so he was glad that he finally got to do it. And lastly, Kurt Angle called Edge one of the greatest of all time. I just think that, like, you know, you talk about Ed. We, we, I talked about you. I talked about Edge's re- retirement earlier. I just mentioned it again now with Cody's speech and the whole thing when when he was coming back was like he wanted to do it on his terms. He wanted to do it on his terms, and so when you watch this and you see all the thank yous and the people. You know, saying nice things about Edge and his career. This does feel like it's more on a his terms kind of thing. Literally his terms. If it was if if, if this was his last match um in WWE and he doesn't come back, then it was actually the the actual matches that he had signed up to do rather than having to have his career cut short again. So regardless of what happens, um I just think that you know, watching these videos, it was kind of emotional watching these videos. You did get a little sad um, thinking that it could possibly be the last time you see Edge on SmackDown. He's one of those guys synonymous with SmackDown. And I also just can't freaking believe that he didn't win a world title at any point since returning. That, to me, if it is the end, that is the biggest atrocity of Edge's you know, returned since the Royal Rumble was that he didn't get one world title win. Not one. That, to me, is just a shame. Um, I wanted that. You know, he had to vacate the title while being champion to retire. Would have been nice to have seen him win the title one more time. Now, I know what you're going to tell me. Some of you are going to say, Brian, Edge said he didn't want to win the title when he comes back. He wants to just, like, work with the new generation, put over other talent. I know. Still should have won the world title once. Come on. Come on. All right, let's move on a little bit. Um, Got a little fired up there myself. Uh, Street Profits versus the OC. 
Street Profits have new gear, but the same entrance. And I think that's a problem. I think that might be a little problem. If they're doing this new thing with Bobby Lashley, I think they need new music. And I hate to say that. I hate to say that. Because I actually really love the Street Profits music. It's one of my favorite themes. So good at getting people hyped up. However, it's too associated with the Solo Cups. They got to get rid of the Solo Cups too. If the whole point of this new group is to level up, to grow up. When you grow up, you stop using the Solo Cups as much. You're not backyard partying. You're not double cupping. You got, you're, just actually, you're just actually have a glass. Which I'm not advocating for i don't think they should come out with fancy glasses um i just think they need a new entrance i think they need a new entrance i think they need new music just to finish the transformation because the new the new attire was a nice touch Uh, not too different but slightly more flashy a little more serious i just can't help i couldn't help but think while watching their entrance this is the last thing that's needed to like really make the transformation complete because you know, Dawkins is looking smooth now. He's up on game with Montez when it comes to the fashionable look. Um, and I I just, yeah, I think that that's what they need. And don't give them rock music. Don't, 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 they don't need rock music. They can still have some dope hip hop or something or whatever. Uh, but I think it's time. I think if the transformation from Street Profits to something else is happening, I think they need new music and a new entrance. Uh, Ford hit a frog splash in the match. Gallows broke up the pin. OC tried to hit a magic killer, but Dawkins reversed it. Street Profits then hit a dope-looking tag team finisher where Docs hit the sky high and Ford landed a neck breaker, and they got the pin after this match. Lashley comes out afterwards to congratulate the duo at the top of the stage. I thought this match was actually really entertaining. Um the Street Profits are doing a good job of trying to show a new kind of like killer edge. They're not being as jokey in the ring. You're not seeing Montez Ford, you know, do the ultimate warrior, you know, thing on the eight, on the ropes. And you're not seeing them kind of joke around and be silly during the match. You're seeing them bring the heat. You're seeing them bring the pain. Some intense clotheslines. A little more hard-hitting action. Hitting the other member of the team on the apron to get the edge. Um... They're, they're really putting in that extra effort to show differences in their game as they level up. I love it. I think that's fantastic. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, although, I thought their matches were very entertaining as it was. Um, and I do believe that Montez can ascend to that next level with what he was doing before. But, no problem with them getting serious. They had seemed to hit a wall with what they were doing before. And I do think that a serious edge could be the thing that kind of helps shake them out of it. So I liked this. I liked the match. I liked the intensity. I liked everything about where the Street Profits are going. I like everything about where the Street Profits are going. Just get, get, let's get some new music in there. Let's, let's get some new music. Uh, Kayla Braxton is backstage. She asks Paul Heyman. For an update on the current state of the bloodline. Of course, he says no. Kayla says she's heard rumors backstage, which fires Heyman up. Heyman talks about her personal life to prove a point. 
and runs down all the other things she could have asked him about on the show. L.A. Knight being one of them who he refers to as a flash in the pan. I hope this is foreshadowing. I mentioned it on here before. I hope there's a little foreshadowing going on here that L.A. Knight could be a future opponent for Roman Reigns. Uh, Heyman then gets a phone call from someone and informs Kayla that Jimmy Uso will be live on SmackDown next week. This was short, but uh, I always appreciate the chemistry between Kayla Braxton and Paul Heyman. Very entertaining. Uh, entertaining because it's so... Uh, you could cut the tension with a knife most of the time. Uh, when when Heyman was asking about her family, <coughs> when you know her background, it was uncomfortable. Even just watching it, I was watching it thinking like, oh man, I know this is okay between them, but I'm still uncomfortable watching <laughs> this interaction and watching the things that he's saying. That's how good of a heel Paul Heyman is because he, he makes you think, he blurs those lines between reality and fiction. So yeah, when I was watching this, I was like, damn dog, damn, that's, that's, that cuts a little deep. Um, but, but I, you know, this was another thing that I'll kind of complain about a little bit here. This was the only follow-up we had to Jay Uso quitting last week. They have this they this thing where they kind of got a lot of attention from it. And and then no follow-up? Nothing? I I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird. Not like they've tried to reach out. I don't know something. Something. I I Yeah, I was a bit confused here that this was the only bloodline related thing on the show now i get it like i said the attention was on edge this week but they weren't even promoting this as his final match they were promoting this as his 25th anniversary so yeah a bit surprised that we didn't get any follow-up to jay uso on this week's smackdown the guy quit the company he was like it's one of the biggest things going on right now and all we get was this little quick interaction backstage between kayla and paul Heyman. i don't know that was that was a Weird choice, in my opinion. Lastly, the main event, Sheamus versus Edge. Edge reversed the 10 beats at one point. Well, first, let me actually yeah, rewind a second here. The entrance. Um, God, that entrance was awesome. Um, just It's so nice when you see just those hometown pops that people actually care about. Sometimes people don't care about people's hometowns, but Canada definitely seems to care about hometowns. And uh, really nice to see the ovation that he got. You see Beth Phoenix in the front row. You see his kid uh, or kids in the front row. Um, just just uh, and set the stage for uh, the emotion and and really told the story of you know what was going on as 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 this match was about to begin. So Edge early in the match he reverses the ten beats by turning it on Sheamus from the apron. And then he hit a spear from the or through the ropes, Big E style. Uh, Edge hit a superplex and then transitioned it into the Edgecution. That looked cool. Uh, Sheamus hit the white noise from the middle rope and then a Celtic cross for a two count. Sheamus hit the 10 beats, uh, but Edge flipped him off after. So Sheamus hit him with 20 more hits, which didn't look fun to take. Edge slapped Sheamus after this and hit a clothesline of his own. Then went for the spear, but Sheamus hit him with a pump knee and a bro kick. Edge kicked out of the pin after this, then dodged another bro kick attempt and hit the spear. 
Sheamus kicked out of that pin. Finally, Edge hit one more spear after this and got the win. The show ended with Edge celebrating his kids and Beth crying and then a hug between the Rated-R Superstar and Sheamus as the show came to a close. I got to agree with some people in one of the, the criticisms I've seen online where um, the post-match celebration was so short. Um, you, you know, you could have really milked that one and I would have loved watching it. <coughs> However, I'm sure, uh, you know, it's it's live TV, it's, it's network television. Um, you do have to hit time limits. And I think that if, if, you know, if Edge would prefer, should this actually be his last match, Edge would have preferred to have wrestled a few extra minutes than um, soak in that moment from the crowd on television for everyone to see. I totally get it. Um, if this is his last match in WWE um, and he wanted to wrestle a banger, mission accomplished. Um, these two guys tore it up. Um, at times I thought Sheamus was going to win, which I was surprised by. And at times I thought Edge was going to win and then he didn't. And I think that when you have someone like me who has to watch every single one of these for a job and who can, who, you know, can be critical, overly critical at times. Um, when you've got someone like me just caught up in the moment, just enjoying it as a fan, getting caught up in the near falls, cheering at the TV, um, reacting to the kickouts, all that stuff. I think that um, that's what you want. That's 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 when I'm excited as uh, as an analyst, as a critic, whatever you want to call me. Um, so I thought the match was fantastic. Very good. Uh, one of the better matches that Edge has had in WWE, especially just on Raw or SmackDown since coming back. Um so, do I think this is Edge's last match in WWE? I keep asking people that on Twitter, and it's not fair that I'm not answering it for everybody. <laughs> um, I've been real torn on this. Um, you know, it's no secret that he almost went elsewhere when he first came back. Or was at least, you know, fielding offers. But he eventually came back to WWE. I'm sure he's made a lot of money. But I think also, you know, when Edge came back, you know, he started in this business with his best friend. And his best friend was also not cleared at the time. And it, and since then, his best friend has been cleared. And he's wrestling elsewhere. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Edge want to wrestle with his best friend for a little while before officially calling it quits. I could see the two of them wanting to call it quits together. They started together. I could see them wanting to finish together elsewhere. So to me, you know, when I look at all of this, I think to myself, like, that, uh, he's done all he's going to do in WWE, especially if he's not planning to win the world title again. If he's not planning to win the world title again, if it was a decision he made then I could see him wanting to finish out his career elsewhere. I could. Um, he did WrestleMania since coming back. He did all these things since coming back. He had awesome matches and relived old gimmicks and did all of that. I could see him wanting to do something a little more different from the end of his career, doing the tag stuff with his friend one last time. I mean, 
He could even have a match. We could even see Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys one last time. I can't help but think that all that seems really alluring from his perspective, especially when he's done all he's going to do in WWE. You know, even in one of the videos they played, they talked about how he, he, he talked about how he's wrestled every generation. He's wrestled the past generation. He wrestled the Attitude Era generation. He wrestled the generation of, you know, current stars. Wouldn't surprise me to see him wanting to wrestle the future stars now instead. He was a big fan of NXT uh, when he was, you know, still retired. He had his podcast where he talked about AEW. I just, yeah, I can't help but think that with the way it wasn't really said that this was his last match, except for Michael Cole mentioning on commentary the rumors that everyone has seen online, and him putting that information out beforehand, it does kind of seem like he wanted people to know this was his last match in WWE. And it did feel like from all the things that they were doing that this could this this could have been the end for Edge in WWE. I don't think that it's the end for Edge in wrestling, though. But yeah, with, with no angle coming at the end of the show, just emotions... Kind of felt like a write-off. It kind of felt like the end for Edge and WWE. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. And I'd be happy to be wrong. But you asked me for my opinion. Well, you didn't really ask me for my opinion. But I know you wanted it. That's why you're listening to this podcast. All right, I'm done here. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, what do I got to say here? Let's uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character every Wednesday on video. Very fun conversation with Sami Zayn this week. So make sure you're subscribed to the Out of Character. Excuse me. Make sure you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel and check out my interview with Sami Zayn if you haven't yet. Also, make sure if you're listening to this podcast right now that you do me a freaking solid and go leave a review or a rating on your preferred podcast platform. I would appreciate it very much. Let's people know that this show is worth listening to. Speaking of, I forgot to mention this at the top of the podcast because I'm still getting used to these roundups. Uh, but shout out to TayWorld02 who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I uh, said, roundups are back with the star eyes. When you close the door on other podcast shows, you open another door and see that Ryan Satin is back for the roundup shows. Let's effing go. Yes, Tay World, appreciate you very much. Appreciate all of you. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the WWE on Fox SmackDown Roundup. Pew.